chapter 2. That lady over there. Hey, young lady. That lady over there was now standing right over Kat's shoulder. Close up, she didn't look as money that she did before. Not raising her eyes, Kat saw tattered hems on grubby slacks, canvas shoes meant for beachwear, subway stained, heels cambered, ankle skin raw. Hey, could you spare? She studied Kat momentarily. Spare a quarter? A quarter for... Eyes darting to and from the half-eaten wrap. It's all I need to make a dollar for coffee. Cat hesitated mid-chew, then maneuvered and asked, Where are you headed? Headed? Anywhere I'd know. No. Or I ought to get to know? You want advice? I'd say you could head north. Yeah, head north and see stuff that way. North? Yeah, head that way. Right. Or you could head east. I oftentimes head east. She lifted a lazy arm, bandaged and bloodied at the elbow, and held it vaguely in the direction of a line of folk leaning on each other in exhaustion. Seated on sagging baggage, sprawled half against piss-stained walls, beyond caring. East. That's the chili. Well, maybe I'll head east then. Thanks. The woman shifted weight from one weeping sword leg to the other, then added, Could try south, of course. A lot of my friends went that way, long time ago. Didn't come back. So must be something good about the south. Sure sounds like it. You sold it to me. South it is. Good. South. Swallowing hard. Pangs cracking her voice. You'll like it. She adjusted the weight of a flax bag on her shoulder, dank water darkening the words, Trader Joe's. It seemed to hold wet rags. And with that, she turned away. After a couple of steps, without turning back, she launched words into the heavy air. What's your name? I feel like I ought to ask your name if you're heading south. You know what they say. Gart. Cat replied through a fresh mouthful of wrap. My name's Mercy Lynn. Pleasure to meet you, Gart. Cat crumpled the grisly, last morsel of wrap into a paper ball, launching it at the open briefcase of some bus-hopping backwater attorney. As he wheeled round to see what hit his leg, Cat yelled beyond him, Hey, lady! See that guy by the clock? Big gulp on the seat beside him? Minute he looks up at the notice board when it chimes that big gulp's yours, telling you. Marcy Lynn didn't look back. She walked on, past the guy by the clock. She hitched up her slacks that had begun to sag, held her head high, and disappeared, kidding herself she was headed home for a microwave TV dinner. Hungry man beef stew. Three minutes is all it takes, you know. Three minutes. What do they say, Farrell? Heading south. What she mean, you know what they say. Silence. Stumped. Then out of nowhere, a gruff. What would your guess be, huh? What's a sh- 
shitting point having you here. What would your guess be? If all you do is chuck it back at me and just answer the fucking question or... She never mentioned West. What? That's what's worrying. Go north, go east, go south. What's up with the West? Why'd she skip that? What's she know we don't? Kat was now wondering the same. She made her way to the exit, first towards the one to the main street, then drawn to another marked West, passing the table where Mercy Lynn had been sitting. And there, in the grime and condensation on the glass top, was what seemed to be an intricate, stir-drawn self-portrait. Mercy Lynn, an Ophelia half-submerged, singing before she drowns in the puddle of spilt soda and coffee mate. Cat ran a finger through it. The image swam for a second and vanished. Mercy Lynn arrived in the city in the trunk of a car. She was nine years old and already a painter. On the other side of the country, way out west, her family had set her to work, decorating clipped metal from canola oil cans, folded and hammered in the shape of fish, and colored with whatever autogloss or face paints they could find. One day, they simply put her in the trunk, drove here, opened up, let her go, drove off. She has no idea why. Still now, she checks out any old Rambler 6 with different color body parts in case they've come back, in case they're trying to find her. She grew up here, here, in the bus and train stations, hidden pockets in the subway shared with stashed cables, wrenches, and rats. After a while, she hooked up with Placard Man. She used to watch him for hours, the only immobile being among the teeming mass that swept in walk-don't-walk waves through the main plaza. On his back, he tied a board declaring, I am scared and have nowhere to go. But Mercy Lynn was mesmerized by the placards he pinned to sticks, one in each hand. With the precise rhythm of a metronome, he'd raised the blue sign on the left, sign of virtue, three seconds, then the red sign on the right, sign of insanity, three seconds, repeat, for hours. He was ignored for the most part. A visitor to the area might stop to stare, or even take away an impression of this ritual to add to the Kodachrome slideshow back home. Mercy Lynn would hang around nearby, peeking out at him from her own cultivated nukes, her comforts of nature in the concrete. Her forest floor, the stairwell, where blown leaves gather. Her water's edge, the curb by the leaking hydrant. Her mountain peak, the high bank of the old shoe fly rail track. One day, she talked to him. They would hang out together after that, when he wasn't placard swinging. The nighttime park, the hot air vents rear of the 7-Eleven, the back alley of Chinatown restaurant dumpsters. But placard man's allure faded a little when she read the notice strung on a street lamp near the crossroads. Paragraph D, Section I. No person shall carry any placard in, on, or above the surface of the pedestrian plaza for any purpose whatsoever without permission from the department. Without permission from the department. 
He must have a license. He's no rebel. So she set off in search of her own placard man. Better still, a placard guy. A placard guy always on the run. A placard guy with no permission. She found him in a derelict church tower. The wooden bars nailed across the side door had been forced. A warm draft of mildew and incense drew Mercy Lynn to the gap just wide enough to prize further, and in she went. He was up there in the rafters. She caught movement, a rush of breath, and a sigh of effort, a quiet laugh to himself as he began to pull harder and harder on the brittle bell rope. Hey, lady down there. Mercy Lynn slunk into the shadow. Too late. Let me ring your name. Say what? Your name. Tell me. Mercy Lynn? That's good. That's good. He braced himself against the beam and coaxed the three Mer-C-Lynn syllables out of the cracked bell. Again and again, louder, and now with the confidence to whip the clapper and mallet onto the widening split in the bronze to insert a dull hyphen. Mercy-Lynn was hooked. He took her to a diner, bug-eaten clapboard place near some sort of waterway or overflowing catch basin, Plastic chairs on a sticky floor, brown-stained cup, red sauce bottles with black-clotted necks, sour smell of stale bakes, server with cold and dried-out cigar butt wedged in her teeth. Hey, gentlemen and lady, she said. Then she turned on placard guy. You ringing that damn bell again? That's me. You gotta quit. Frankie out back shit himself again. She pulled the stub of pencil from behind her ear stuck it in the cigar bud and held it slackly aloft, as if it were a sober knee and a mother-of-pearl holder. Propelling a stalk of tobacco from between her teeth to the tip of her tongue, and then somewhere beyond the putrid fish tank, she expanded. You know how he hears bells and thinks the submarine's about to dive again with them still up top? Fuck out of here. Sure. Found him in the cellar. Had first he went. Caught every rung of the ladder on the way down. He okay? Down there still. You can see for yourself when you pick up your damn cardboard stash. She stuffed the butt back in place, pencil returned behind ear, and reached for the tepid coffee percolating on the counter. You want a waffle? Be my guest. Been there days. Break your teeth. Don't come running. While she filled the cups to the brim, placard guy went to retrieve his artwork before this Frankie bled or died on it. Listen, sugar bigger. The server wiped a smear of lipstick off the rim of the cup with her thumb as she pushed it towards Mercy Lynn. She lowered her voice. You known him long? Nah, just mad. There's guys, nice guys, trouble guys, and evil guys. Which one is he, you reckon? Mercy Lynn fixed her eyes on the coffee, the gray surface film reflecting the ceiling fan. You'll know. When you see his signs, what he says on them. She mopped an age-old overhang of mustard on the table edge with a grimy cloth, then moved off. You'll know. I'll hang me. Break my neck. Frankie was twisted in a way that wasn't human. Bad enough I broke bones, now I piss myself too. 
placard guy moved around so quietly, so hushed, he could have been back in that church, arriving late for a funeral. He kept to the shadows. Somebody up there? I'm hurting here. Everything's back to front, pointing the wrong way. The placards were strung in a bundle against the only dry wall. Steam boiler pipes and a brick stack between them and the weakening voice. He watched them under his arm and turned back again. Can I hear someone breathing? I could use a little help. The words barely left his throat. I can hear someone breathing. No, you can't, placard guy said softly. No, you can't. And Frankie believed it. It won't be long, he'll be around, was the only thought that accompanied the climb with the cardboard bundle back up the ladder. Kat shifted her weight from one buttock to the other. Pain. And sure, that's damp creeping through. The undergrowth at the roadside teased a welcome cushion. The sharp flints were waiting just beneath the surface. Twisting off the sodden, rotting leaves from a lettuce lifted from some old sharecropper's plot just over there, she couldn't work out if she really was still hungry. He'd watched her, she knew. She'd seen his eyes, watery and weary between the broken slats of the window blind, weighing up whether a lost lettuce justified emerging through the bug screen to shout or shoot. The leaves stank. It was rotten right through. Held up her thumb, stuck out her foot, Yet another swerving sedan speeds away from her. Through the lettuce. It dinged the trunk right on the Sorry for driving so close in front of you, decal. And disintegrated into a spiraling cloud of shredded limp wings. The blinds snapped shut. Why didn't you tell me to stop running? Since when did anyone, anyone, tell you what to think? Really? Fifteen I was. Fifteen when I first heard your voice. You were old enough. Figured time was right. Cat closed your eyes. I am fifteen years old. I've run away again. Although my home is just over there, and I'll be back by tea. But for now, I'm on my own. And then, I see that to be alone, you need people. Strangers. You rely on them for your escape. I don't care. I can deal with that. Then you come along. And here, the minute I find myself alone, you speak to me. You scare the shit out of me. You tell me it's normal. You tell me you're escaping too. Have been all your life. Been everywhere, seen everything, never wanted to be home, 
never wanted to turn back on and on till you couldn't go further. End of your road. So now you ride on me, a hitching tick. In here. In here, you tell me to run. To run, and I do. You tell me it's normal to have you. In here. Bastard. An old rambler six with different color body parts passes by. Something underneath rattling and scraping. It, whatever it is, falls off and rolls to a smoking halt not far from Cat. The car stops. There's a girl looking out of the back window. She looks like she's been crying. Rita had never held down a job for so long. Almost three months she's been a server here. And pretty much, she was happy. She got to help out in the back. Wouldn't call it a kitchen. More of a room for two curtained stall with knives and slop buckets and steam and cussing. The fresh waffles she'd left for him at Placard Guy's place, relaxed in their escaping fat. She'd clipped off the black crisped corners with her nail, brushing them carefully onto the floor and winked, No charge, at Mercy Lynn. There was no charge for anything for Placard Guy in here. He'd sorted it for her to work here. Found her hustling in an elevator in a dockyard warehouse. Only place she could find. The strip clubs had long since spat her out. No more use for her. And there she was, pimping herself in skinny-ribbed, bud-breasted lost girls from her piss-fouled executive office. She sees some of those girls around now. Some pass by and stare for a moment at Rita through the steamed window, then head down the hill, like every day, to the elevator. Some come in to just get warm, to maybe lift a money clip or purse. Always to end with slinging bitter words at Rita for abandoning them, for getting them into this mess in the first place. There's one she never sees. Sweet kid. Spanish name. Popular she was. Rita knew the popular ones were the ones that might not survive. The curtain parts an inch. Hey! Hey, Jefe. Hey, Rita! Trucker guy's asking where's his omelet. You fucking collecting the fucking kimchi from fucking Korea, eh? Hey, Rita, hey? Shreddy's, Shreddy's coming. Look, it's on the plate. Okay, fuck you. Want it fucking gourmet or want it trash? Gourmet, that's me. That's my omelet. Rita loved this place. Loved this job. She was almost happy. I swear, she'd say to herself. I swear I'm not going to go back. Not going to be as I was. She'd even given up drink. Given up smokes. Well, given up lighting them, at least. Going to keep in my skin. Stay right. But there were things, little things, that would tamper with her calm. Her mind would be peaceful wallowing, breathing easy, the sounds of thick stew struggling to bubble on the hob, the tick-tick of blade through fish bones, the crackle of old pumpkin seeds in the hot skillet. Calm she was, no clenched jaw, no knurled back, feeling as loose as warm sand sifted through fingers. Then she'd have to slip through that curtain. 
just as she would in the strip joint. Quiet day, she'd be fine. But this place was nothing but plate glass and flat plastic surfaces, and the sound of more than four folk would bounce and scatter and match the ricocheting din she recalled from the podium. A dozen in here, and they'd be right in each other's faces trying to hear what they're all saying. Eyes locked, so close, breath shared. Intimacy freaks her out now, really does. She'd feel assaulted again. Assaulted by the sounds. Violated by the groping hands of cackled laughter. The reeking, delving fingers of barbed comments. The dribbling lips of put-downs, the sly leer of lewd jokes, the rough probing tongues of... Hey, babe. Here, that should cover it. Holding out dollar bills. Dollar bills tucked one day into her waist apron by a halitosis and sweat-swamped docker. And that was what cracked her. That was what made her, where the fuck do you think you are? Fling a plate of rancid cold cuts at the wall. I've seen you before, lady. I've seen all of you. And another at the window. Fuck you have. That ain't me. And to kick the chair. Not anymore. From under the greasy bastard. You get the fuck out of here. She kept the job, though. Because she was cheap. Hey, Rita. Yeah? Trucker guy says there's a fucking thumbprint in his omelet. 